if parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's me, Yolandi Becker, and you're on Bump and Beyond, where we talk all about parenting. I feel like I'm having my share of parenting challenges again this week. I already mentioned to you last week I had a sick kid at home, and I have the same again today. So just some personal info. I'm running on fumes here, and flu is beating at me, I feel. I've managed to make it. We have all been vaccinated, and I have to say the success rate of the flu vaccine has been very good. Only one out of the four of us got it, so it can't be too bad. So just some statistics out of my own experience. So today's show, let's get to it. I want to start by saying, like starting with when we have a baby. So there's many things we notice when our babies are born. Of course, we notice... Whether or not it's a boy or girl, penis or vagina, we notice 10 fingers, 10 toes, hopefully, obviously, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And in my case, I want to share another interesting tidbit is that we also notice not immediately after birth that I want to say, it was, I think, at the six-week checkup, we notice something a little bit different, which is called a bifid uvula with my son. Sounds really fancy, hey? My son has a bifid uvula. So uvula, if you didn't know, that's that fleshy piece of meat at the back of your throat. It's called a uvula. In Afrikaans, we call it a klein tongiki. That little piece of flesh at the back of your throat. That's your uvula. And a bifid uvula is when it looks a little bit like a, a fish tail. Um, so it's split, it's forked or split into two parts. Um, and so my son has a little fish tail at the back of his throat. Um, which to be honest, uh, after now hearing this from the, from the doctor, I Googled it, of course, um, and found out that it's actually genetic, but in the same breath, that was the first time in my life I've ever heard about it. So, and my husband as well. And I have not actually met anyone. If I tell people this, everyone's always like, really? It is quite rare. Only 2% of people have it. But it doesn't really impact Oscar at all. To start off, just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea as well, because who knows what this little flesh at the back of our throat actually does. Um, but it does actually have a function. Um in the end of the day, um, it actually helps to block food, matter, and drinks from entering your nasal passage. That's the first part. Um, it also uh, can trigger the gag reflex to prevent you from choking. So it does have, it's not just a fleshy thing at the back of your throat. It does actually have a useful purpose. And it also helps you to enunciate when you're, uh, that makes a little bit more sense because my son's enunciation <laughs> can have some work in the end of the day. But just a little bit of a, a starting point of our conversation for today, because actually a bifid uvula occurs when two sides of the roof of your child's mouth do not properly join together during 
the development when there's still a fetus inside mom's belly. And this is actually quite similar to a cleft palate. It obviously differs from a cleft palate in that it often also goes undiagnosed because it doesn't really impact anything. Um, but it is very similar to that. And that is exactly what we are chatting to my expert about today. So I kind of did a sneaky segue, I feel, from my bifid uvula. And I'm very excited to share with you a lot more about cleft palates just now. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. So if you've only just joined me, you are on Bump and Beyond with me, Yolandi Becker, on 101.9 High FM. And today we're talking cleft palates. I don't feel it is as unusual as my bifidal uvula <laughs> at all but this is what our conversation is about and as always of course please do join us in the conversation on our new app that we have you can easily access of course our um, chat options and telegram but if you don't have the app yet after the show you can download it and then you can message us as well and the rest of the shows as, of course as well but the telegram number is 061 8951019. Send us some information. Have you ever heard of a cleft palate? Do you know of someone who has a cleft palate? What was the struggles that they had? Share with us your journey of that as well. Of course, you can also phone us on 010-140-3020 and SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at one rand fifty per SMS. But I am not the expert, as you can hear. I'm only talking about personal experience here with a bifid uvula. Um, but like I mentioned, cleft palate for me, not such an unusual thing. I think we've all heard about it. And here to talk with us today, I have brought in an expert. And also, we're going to share a little bit more about their foundation, of course, as well, to help their foundation, because I think what they're doing is so amazing is Suzanne de Beer. She is the director and co-founder of Blissful Cleft Foundation and mother of one little boy who's seven years old now. Hello, Suzanne. Hello, Yolandi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm very excited. I think, um, as I said, I don't I think cleft palates is something that no one has ever heard about. Um, I do think no. that it makes parents a little bit nervous, though, Um to think that is it already is it common how common is it to have cleft palates do you know well actually um it's it's more common than what i was aware of because when oh. i was young we had friends who had a son who had a cleft lip and palate oh. but i never knew the extent of the deformity because he was much older than me so his cleft was already um closed I just knew that he was talking a bit strangely and there was something wrong with his mouth, but I didn't know what. And that was the only encounter I've had in my life before I was introduced to Dr. Naidu and Andrea told me a bit more about it. So it's common, but I think because it gets um, closed, it doesn't, you don't know exactly what 
the extent of the deformity is. So that's one of our aims with this foundation is to create awareness and tell people what all these children go through and the challenges the, the parents go through. So yes, it is the stats that we have is in South Africa, it's about one in every 723rd baby has a cleft. So the chances of a baby being born with a cleft is 0.14%. Okay. So it's, it's not uncommon, but it's also not every second child. Yes. Like you said, if you talk to anyone, they know of someone who's had a cleft or they know someone personally who's had a cleft or someone in the family. So it's much more common than we actually think. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, how I segued into it, like I said, in the end of the day, my son's bifid uvula. The doctor, and I mean, I'm standing under correction here. This is now what my, the doctor told me was that it was part of, because it's the part of the final development that happens is the yes. lip and the, the uvula apparently as well <laughs> and the cleft and all those things. And that's why often doctors are not too concerned about it initially because obviously the uvula they don't pick up, but they often can already see it in utero and um, that there might be a cleft, but they're not too worried because it's only later that it develops or in the final stages that it develops. Mm-hmm. And he said that was actually part of it. And later I also found out that my son actually had a tongue tie as well. And that was also mm-hmm. apparently related to it. Again, mm-hmm. I didn't have any for me, I coincidentally found these things out um, because I didn't struggle with feeding or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I do remember being pregnant um, and full on pregnant already. So I was also very hormonal. It hasn't changed after that, that I also have to say, I cry <laughs> in an instant. And I oh, remember I walking in the shop and this mom was walking with her baby and this little boy had um, a cleft lip. And I immediately, I didn't cry in front of her, but I walked away and I started crying. And I was just like, oh, my word. I I, I was worried and feeling yes. sad um, and all these things for this mom and for myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also kind of a very memory that kind of stuck with me as well. But let's get to the nitty gritty of the interview before we run <laughs> out of time. And Craig starts showing me things. <laughs> Um, what is a cleft palate and what is a cleft lip? Okay, so a cleft lip is a, no- a noticeable gap in the lip itself. You will see it stretches to the nose and it can be, it can be on one side or on both sides. If it's both sides, it's a bilateral cleft and a unilateral on the one side. And then in some cases, there will be a gap in the mouth, in the, in the roof of the mouth as well, in the palate that goes straight through the soft palate and the hard palate. But a baby can be born with only a cleft palate where the lip isn't a cleft or where a baby only has a cleft lip, but not a cleft palate. And then also there's the, the babies that has a cleft lip and a cleft palate. Uh, so yeah, all three of can- those. Interesting again. And like I said, that's how I know it's not uncommon because I know about these things an unusual amount. And I also had, uh, it also, it can be different. Um, the cleft palate, obviously it's not necessarily a huge hole necessarily in the palate. It can be smaller. It can be bigger because another one of my colleagues, her sister, her baby recently had, um, 
a cleft palate, but it was so tiny that they couldn't even pick it up. It was such a small hole and doctors were actually contemplating whether or not it was (laughs) necessary to repair it or just to wait if it's going to fix itself and stuff like that. But what causes a cleft palate? Okay, so it can be caused by a combination of factors. Um, the most common one is genetics. It's um, someone in the family has it and it's inherited from a family member. Then there's also environmental factors that can play a role. The stuff that the mom comes into contact with during pregnancy, um, substance abuse, smoking, um, the lack of folic acid intake. So there's a few factors that do play a role in the cause of a cleft lip and palate. Okay. We're going to get a lot more into this and more. Um, I also want you to share some stories with me um, because I feel like I'm oversharing, but more on this just now. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. So you are on Bump and Beyond with me, Yolandi Becker, and we are talking cleft palates. I'm speaking with my expert um, guest today, Suzanne de Beer, who is the, found, the co-founder and director of Blissful Cleft Foundation. And uh, you were just talking to us a little bit about some of the causes of um, cleft palates. But um, I think I mentioned it already, and I think I know the answer already, but um, it is possible to already diagnose, or re- let me rather rephrase it, is it possible to already diagnose a cleft palate and a cleft lift while the baby is still in utero? Well, yes. Um, a cleft can be seen, the cleft lip can be seen much much easier on an ultrasound than a cleft palate. Um, but what we've found with all the mommies that's on our support group and people we've talked to, these babies tend to hold their hands in front of their mouths uh. in vitro. So... A lot of them don't even have a sonar photo of the baby's hand that's not in front of their mouth. Mm. So it all depends on how the baby is lying and acting with when the ultrasound is done. But, yes, it can be picked up on an ultrasound. So, yeah. yeah all... I mean, it makes sense. I can also remember my, my kids in utero, <laughs> like, with all the, those 3D pictures even, always sucking their yeah. hands and being busy. So... <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, and I was upset the one time the leg was in front and we couldn't see what sex they are. So oh maybe I should have been upset about the hands in front of the mouth. <laughs> um, but what are some, so obviously now we know that it is one, you said 701 in 723. 23, yes. Yes. Um, kids that can possibly have, um, so it's likely, but not unlikely. Genetics <laughs> plays a role. Um, and it sometimes can be, um, yeah, diagnosed beforehand. Uh, obviously, I think in the end, there's nothing you can do about it. If you find out, I guess, earlier, at least you can just be a little bit more mentally prepared. Yes, no, definitely. Yeah. I think, um, you know what it's like to, to have a baby. It's already a stressful and, uh, yeah, you're <laughs> anticipating this baby. And then if you find out on the day that the baby is born, that 
there's even yeah. more challenges you're gonna face. It's, it's much more emotional, I think. If you know beforehand, you can prepare, you can do your, your research and have everything on hand and ready. Yeah. Then if you don't know. So. No, that's also true. Um, what are some of the challenges that parents would face when baby is born with a, cl- a cleft palate? Okay. So I, at, at first, I think the emotional, the whole emotional thing they have to go through is one of the biggest. And the thing with the, the cleft babies, the moms, they, they love their babies and they fall in love with this cleft face and this big smile and the big eyes. And then when they close the, the cleft, that's also another emotional journey yeah, they go through. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, and some of them are really they 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 don't look forward to to the new face, to seeing the new baby face. And it takes time and they, they miss the, the cleft faces. They really they they will post photos of when their baby still had had a cleft and say they miss this little smile and Aww. so they go they go through a lot of emotional journeys in this whole big emotional journey. And then um I think the first challenge they face is feeding mm. um, because they can't feed. Most of them can't feed normal because they can't suck. And then later on in life, they face challenges with speech, with ear infection, dental care. And then at a much older stage, of course, with bullying because they don't look normal, they don't speak normal, so you know children, they yeah. they do bully. So throughout their life they go through a lot of challenges challenges. Mm. Um, but so now obviously uh, like like I mentioned before as well, it's not always the case necessarily that um surgery is needed depending on how big any of the problems are, but when surgery is surgery always needed with these things? Yes, it it depends on on the severity of the the yeah. cleft, of course. And then, yeah, if it's 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 got an impact on the feeding, then like you need to correct in most of that. the cases. Then you you need to 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 correct it. But also, you can't operate too early because then they're still too small, and there's other features that still need to develop. So. Yeah, it, but the only, the only way to fix it is with surgery. So, but what kind of specialist would then be involved in helping with the surgery then? Okay. So our surgeries, um, we use Dr. Sharan Naidu. He's also one of the directors and co-founders and he's a maxillofacial specialist. So yes, he's, then we've got an ethicist on the, on the cases and then a nursing team and an assisting doctor. And then later on in life, they will need ENTs, um, for, for the ears and the nose and then speech therapists and orthodontists. That's quite a team of people that will be necessary. Yes. So <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean, I'm just thinking in, in the end, like what you said, this emotional journey, obviously as a parent, it's, there's a lot of things already on your tick list mm-hmm. to do in the beginning. And it's very overwhelming when you're now starting this journey. If this is part of it and all these things that you have to think about, 
I can just imagine how emotional it must be. If this is part of your journey, please remember, we would love to hear from you. If you've just joined us, you are on 101.9 High FM. I am Yolandi Becker, and we're talking, as always, parenting, and specifically today about cleft palates. Please do share with us if you've gone through the journey with your own child or with your grandchild even, um, of needing to correct a cleft palate or a cleft lift. We would love to hear about it. Um, of course, um, you can SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 150, or you can send us a telegram on 061-895-1019. And even better so, you can phone us and have a chat with me and Suzanne. We're loving it on 010-140-3020. Um, because again, like I said, I, I, I can't, I can only imagine. I don't know the journey. Um, but yes, on that note, because you now mentioned that it's, it is more often than not surgery is required. And there's a whole team of people that need to be part of this whole journey because it's also not the, just the surgery. I'm thinking in my head, oh, it's surgery and then it's over, but uh, yeah. clearly yeah, not. And most, mm, and most yes. of these babies don't just need one surgery. They need throughout their life until they're like 17, 18 years old, they still need surgeries. So it's not just one surgery and it's done and over with. There's different surgeries at different stages that needs to be done. Is we, it because it's not a quick fix type of thing or is it because now the mouth is developing and you have to continuously repair this? No, it's definitely not a quick fix. It needs to happen in stages so, yeah, they can't do everything at once. Um, uh, I mean, this is like, I'm like feeling like, yeah, I've learned already a lot more. <laughs> I'm going to have to get involved and we're going to get to that just now. But you also mentioned there is a time before, obviously, that when the baby is really small, that you can't have surgery. But now if this baby is struggling to feed, how do how do you how do parents manage during that time if they can't yeah. how do they get the milk inside the baby? <laughs> okay, so at first they, they use tube feeding, the baby gets fed fed through a tube. Um that is if they can't feed. So oh. if there's no way that they can get the milk in and um they use is, other ways to get the... sorry, I don't want to sound stupid here, <laughs> but uh, what is tube feeding? <laughs> Tube feeding is when they put uh, a pipe into the nose of the baby and the milk goes straight down the into throat into the, the, the stomach. Into the baby. Just, so the milk is, is given through a, a base and the tube yes. into, the, into the baby's okay. throat. So can you still so, breastfeed then so you can pump out breast milk yes. and give that to the baby? Okay, so That's it is still correct, possible yes. to do that, okay? Yes. Okay, so then um, when they're born and they're ready to go out of hospital, then they can go to an orthodontist who makes a feeding plate. So that's a little plate that they mold into the baby's mouth to, to get the form of their cleft that needs to be molded, and then they put that into the mouth at feeding times to, to like then create a palate for feeding. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> So that helps with the milk flow and with the suckling. And yeah, that's, that's one of the, the ways but, that these babies can feed. Um, but it's, but you also now said, so is it always, do they always have problems feeding? Because you also said no. earlier, if they have problems feeding. Yeah, so it's not, not always them, the case. No, no, not all of them has the issue. So it just depends on the cleft and on the baby. If I, they but will I mean, have it. It, 
It is so interesting for me just to like all these things going to an orthodontist, but then how tiny is this plate that they put in this? Oh, that's no, it's really tiny. I think I don't have it with me anymore, but I have a photo somewhere of a little plate that I can send you. Yeah, but is it yeah? Is it like three centimeters or how? It's like two it's centimeters about, a tiny thing. No, that they it's put about in. five centimeters. I would say between three oh, and we, five centimeters. We're gonna have to share that on social media. I mean, <laughs> the the technological advances. In things is like remarkable. Medical things are always very. Um, but now we also say because, like I said, I've learned already way too much. I feel like um, this is really. I think it's very helpful um, for parents to know this as well, and for all of us to know because I do feel we all could get a little bit more involved in this as well. But um, you now mentioned, or earlier you mentioned that so which I didn't know, I didn't realize there's multiple surgeries that um, often have to take place um, over how long is the recovery period after a surgery? Okay, so our babies stay in hospital for three to four days. Then they get discharged and they go home and then Dr. Nidus sees them in two weeks' time. So two weeks after the, the surgery yeah. was done, he sees them for a follow-up to remove the stitches. And then it takes about four weeks for the incisions and the, the wound to, to, um, recover. So in total, it's about six weeks. And again, during this time, is it then, does feeding happen during that recovery time? If there's no stitches inside the mouth and things like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, so then they also do, at first they do, um, tube feeding and only clear fluids for the first two to three days. So then doctor will see how the baby reacts and how the baby is before they go over to more like pureed food and then they will decide. So it, it depends on each child. Each child is different. We've had one baby the following day was eating his food. Um, Tommy's full of love who's also yes. been on the show before. Yes. She gives us food for two weeks for each patient. And yeah, then they can, they can start as soon as they, they are ready. But each child is different. We really, every time it's like a surprise. You don't know how oh. the, the baby is going to react and how quick the, the recovery will be and how much pain they can stand. That's also yeah. the other thing. If it's too painful for them to feed, they don't want to feed. But now if, if you say now, like sometimes tube feeding still has to happen, this yeah. tube that you now have described to me that goes down the nose, do they then permanently have this, the baby no. while they're going home or do, does mom insert it or is mom, baby then staying in hospital? I mean, no, really, so I feel tube... like I'm sounding like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now the, the tube, uh, doctor will put it in while he's in theater. He puts it uh... in. So the baby will wake up with the tube and they put it, it comes out of the mouth and then he fastens it with a little plaster at the top of the baby's head. So then they insert the, the, um, the syringe into the tube to, with the, then, the food. Uh... And then they will only get just discharged if they're not tube feeding anymore. They won't go home with the tube. So doctor will remove the tube before they go home. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I was just wondering about that as well. Like I said, I'm starting to feel like I'm an idiot with all these questions, but no, again. I was also at the stores. I didn't know all of this stuff and I'm learning still every time we go. It's, it's a learning process for us all the time. And I mean, it's for me really like again, interesting 
again, as a new mom, there's so many things that you're already, I mean, for me, and now I feel like an even more of an idiot because I'm, you know, for me, changing a diaper and bathing my child was an issue. And yeah. this is like next level. So these, these parents are incredible. That's really they, the oh, journey they that they're warriors. going through. Yeah. It no, is incredible. Really There's really all warriors um, yeah. of these babies. But that brings me now to, uh, before we get to that, there is one more question because you also <laughs> mentioned this part of this journey now, obviously. Um, there's a whole team, lots of surgeries happens. I've learned, so at least I'm listening and learning while <laughs> I'm doing this. Um, you mentioned also speech therapy. So of course yes. we know that the lip and everything, even like I said earlier, the uvula also has a role to play in speech. Yeah. I feel like we're teaching people a lot of really interesting information here today. So you may, so I assume then that a cleft palate, is it both a cleft palate and a cleft lip? Does that have an impact on the speech and how the speech would um, develop later in life? No, it's more with the palate, the soft palate, the back. If you feel with your tongue, you will feel the, the front of your palate is harder than the back of your palate. So and we're all doing of, that now while you're saying yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so the part towards the back of your throat is a bit softer. Mm. So that is what close off your mouth from the nose. So if that splits, there's no like a cut off for the air to escape if you talk. So all the nasal sounds will go through the nose when they speak. Yeah. Uh, so it will, it will sound if they've got like a nasal. And nasal. interesting enough, even with the uvula, when I was doing research on that, they also said that sometimes it is connected with that. Um, Carol Krier, she's actually sent us a question, and I actually don't think this is related, but I'm going to read it anyway <laughs> before we go to an ad break. Um, because I don't think you're the right expert for this. I think we need to get a speech therapist clearly into this conversation. <laughs> so she's asking, Carol is asking, and thank you, Carol. I'm giving a shout out to you because I'm, she's a regular on my show. I oh, have sorry. a, I have a regular. <laughs> um, my one daughter has a lisp and her two children have lisps. Where would this come from? Would you know? Like I said, I don't know if that is actually, I don't think, obviously if it's not related to a cleft no. palate. Um, yeah, my own son has a lisp and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, but Carol, for a next show that will be coming up, it's on my to-do list, especially for you. <laughs> but more on this to come. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. If you've just joined me, you are on 101.9 High FM, and this is Bump and Beyond with me, your host, Yolandi Becker. And as always, we are talking parenting and more importantly, the warrior parents out there. <laughs> I've learned because we're talking about cleft palates today and I have learned so much. I really, I, Suzanne, thank you for coming on and enlightening <laughs> me on these warrior parents. Um, I feel mediocre in comparison right now. Um, but we all have our own journey. I keep telling myself. Um, and yes, so Suzanne, 
now I want to segue into what blissful Cleft Foundation. You are the co-founder um, and director of Blissful um, Cleft Foundation. What do you guys actually do? Because while you were mentioning, this is the only thought I was having. It's like you're mentioning not just one surgery, multiple surgeries, and then other specialists that have to come. And in my head, I'm just hearing cha-ching, 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 <laughs> one after the other. And I'm like thinking... At least I have medical aid and I'm hoping the medical aid would cover for that. But what do you do if you don't? And that's just yeah. the thing is like that must, be, and that's the reality for lots of people in this country is that they don't have medical aid that's going to cover mm-hmm. or proper medical aid that's going to cover for it. So what does, what do you guys do? Okay. So Blissful Cliff Foundation, we, we do operations for people who doesn't have medical aids and who doesn't have funds to pay for these operations. So that's one leg of our foundation. The other leg is um, creating awareness because people don't know enough about this deformity. And yeah. especially in schools, we we are planning to focus more on schools. We have written two children's books on clefts. Mm. So it's like little storybooks um, about children who has clefts and the the first one was an Afrikaans book, and that was about a girl who's been bullied because she has a cleft, and how she then becomes a rock star out of all of this. And um, yes, we've had, we've got the English book as well, and we are working on another project, but I'm not allowed to say anything more on that yet. <laughs> but yeah, so awareness is one one of our big big concentrations because we need to get it out there that these kids are normal like you and I. They deserve to be loved. They deserve to be a part of the the, the communities and because in some communities they hide these children. They mm. they feel that they're not allowed to be in public and But yeah, then how do you get to these people that need your help? Yes, that's that's quite a a challenge. Through high FM. That's so what each of us need to fix. <laughs> if anyone knows of anyone who needs an operation, please send them to our website, to our Facebook page, anything, and we will be there to help them. So yes, and then also share your call. website and your email. Please give us okay. that information. <laughs> org is our um, website, and then on Facebook or Instagram, we are on there as Blissful Cleft Foundation. Great. So yes, and then yeah, yes. we also focus on support, emotional support. We've got a support group with a lot of moms on, and they. They support each other. You, you won't believe the support system that's on that group. So it's so, not just moms then that uh, were helped or did the surgery through no. you. It's any mom that is going any to be mom. part of the support group. Any any mom can be on our support group. If a mom goes for before they go for an operation, she will say on the group, "Listen, here we're going for. We got our dates. What do we need? What do we need to pack? What?" 
what what's the best clothes for the baby to take with? What must I take with for myself? All of that. And what we should you take with? <laughs> we can't answer that because we haven't come through that personally. Yes. So these moms are I've never seen something like this. Every time I open that group and I see there's like fifty messages, it my heart wants to explode because they are just there for each other. When one is struggling with a sick baby, she can't get the the stuff out of the baby's nose and this one has a a thing for her to try. So it's really it's yeah, oh, it's you can just see the passion and hear the passion in your voice when you're talking about this. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if moms want to be part of the support group, they can also just contact you, uh, uh, either on Facebook, Instagram, or, yeah, or through your website. Uh, DM with your number and we will add you on the group. Okay. And then, um, as well now, so you, a big part of what you do is to help uh, families who can't afford to, um, to yes. do this. Um, they can also obviously contact you to do, but what do you do then? The whole journey with them or? Yes. Yeah. That's our aim is to walk the whole road with the, with the baby and the family. Um, currently we have Dr. Naidu on our team. He does the, the operations for us. So we will refer them to speech therapists, orthodontists, and so forth, and they will then decide what they do from there. But our dream for when we get big <laughs> is to have a whole a whole hub where all of those people can be found, a one-stop shop for a cleft baby, to put it in in plain. In, in plain. Yeah, English. Um, I mean, I mean, that's really, English, I mean, yeah. um, but I mean, that's quite a journey then, um, for you guys to have that. How many, how many families have you helped? Um, sure, Yulandi. I think we are on 11 at the moment. Sorry, but um, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm not, sh- it's between 9 and 11. Sorry, I'm not sure about no. that because some of the, the children we have already operated more than once. Okay. So I've lost counts of, of the families, but yes, we, we, and our dream was when we went to go, to go speak to Dr. Nadu for the first time, we said, if we can help one family a year, we feel that we have accomplished what we, we have aimed to do. And the foundation was, we started the foundation in 2020. So yeah. we are still young and to be very able, young, to have been so able to surpass some, your goals. <laughs> definitely. But we, we would have never been able to do this if it wasn't for the support from the, the public. It's. Ah. I can't tell more, you how. We're gonna get some more support just now. Uh, more, <laughs> hang in there, everyone. We're getting it. <laughs> this is Bump and Beyond with Yulandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. One hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. So, if you've just joined me, you are on Bump and Beyond with me, Yulandi Becker, and. Again, as always, talking parenting and specifically, we're now talking to my expert guests who have really enlightened me so much today. And Suzanne is my guest today and she is the co-founder and director of Blissful Cleft Foundation. And we've been speaking about that quite a bit. And um, 
the work that you guys, like I said, you're still new, started 2020. Your goal was one a year. You've already held between nine and 11. We're wondering that amount exactly, but it's more than what you planned. And that's yeah, amazing. I it's, it's 11, 11 families, 13 operations. Ah, okay. So see, <laughs> more than your goal, which is amazing. And you mentioned that you couldn't have done it without public help. So how can we help you? How can people, if they want to donate money, get involved in your project? How can we do that? Okay, they can um, just keep an eye on our social media pages. Um, we have two main events every year. We have a Women's Day event on Women's Day, the 9th of August. So um, we haven't launched that yet, but we are busy with planning and getting everything set. And we are so excited about that day. We can't yeah. wait to announce everyone is going to be part of it and what we are planning. Um, so that's one for the girls. And then uh, in September, we will have our um, annual golf day as well. Who that's, that's always a big success. And our first year, we... The foundation was registered in August and we had our first golf day the 23rd, I think, of September. So it was like a month. We had a month to <laughs> plan a golf day. And we had people telling us that we're not going to be able to do it. We are crazy. We, we, we mustn't put ourselves to this because there's no way no. that we're going to be able to arrange a whole, whole golf day in a month. And we did it. And the people just came together and helped us. And with it's it, because you're doing up. a great thing. That's why. <laughs> so every year our golf day is very special to us. It's it's our annual big event. So if there's any golf players listening, or uh, I'm a golf player. Okay, and my a golf player, so you know who to invite for the next golf day. I'm always happy for a golf day. <laughs> Um, I'm not so, a good golfer, but I do play. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so, yes, then it's our golf day. And then any donations is also welcome at any time. And then we also have a shop on our um, on our website where we sell our books. And we have a little mascot called Brave. It's a little teddy bear that goes to theater with all of our patients to keep them brave. And we also sell little brave teddy bears and then the books we wrote and Yolanda is also plays a big role in the foundation. Um, we have a little bag that he's done for us that we sell as well. So yeah, people can just pop onto our website and find again, just our... share the website. What's the website um, again? www.blissfulcleft.org. Great. Suzanne, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Not only did I learn a lot, I felt the passion for what you guys are doing, and I'm hoping that we can help with this passion because it is a fantastic initiative that you guys have. And let's make that 1130. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yolandi. We appreciate you guys and for always having us. And Thank you for everything that you guys are doing. <laughs> so if you guys know of anyone that need help, you know where to go to. Um, uh, because this is a really fantastic initiative. And if you're a mom who is going through the struggles of having a baby with a cleft lip or a cleft palate, 
even more so a reason to get in touch with Blissful Clare's Foundation, form part of this supportive community, because you can hear Suzanne and it's like they really just have passion for it. Um, and we want to be part of that. Thank you so much. My show is unfortunately I've running out of time. Um, thanks again, Suzanne, for joining me. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Uh, the world is of course changed by our example and not by our opinion. Let's lead by example and supporting foundations like these for our children. Join me, of course, next week. To next week, I am actually chatting with Angelique Dormal about first aid and CPR and what you need to know about that. So I am looking forward to that. Thank you for joining me today. Until next time, enjoy your day.